The New York Times, a former newspaper, is reporting that a feud has broken out between President Donald Trump and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. The story broke after anonymous sources within The Times told reporters within The Times that editors within The Times would like stories about the Trump-McConnell feud from anonymous sources within The Times. According to these sources, the feud began shortly after McConnell failed to secure a majority Republican vote for repealing Obamacare. A furious President Trump responded by calling McConnell a turtle-faced nunu head, whereupon the disgruntled Senate Majority Leader struck back by writing Melania Trump's phone number on the wall of the Senate men's room. Incensed by the insult, the President of the United States snuck up behind McConnell in the Capitol Rotunda and harshly pulled the Kentucky Democrats' underpants up into his butt crack, then quickly ran away while all the other senators laughed, including the pretty girl senator whom McConnell had been hoping to ask to the prom. According to sources, McConnell planned his revenge in secret for weeks and ultimately managed to rig a chain around the rear axle of Limousine One so that when the presidential motorcade was heading out for a shake and a burger at Big Al's drive-in, the back tires of Trump's car were suddenly yanked clean off. It's a prank that will likely be remembered in the Senate until they're all voted out of office as they deserve. A furious president responded by storming into the Senate and challenging McConnell to either meet him face-to-face -face in the Rose Garden or admit he's a yellow coward. Whereupon, according to several witnesses, McConnell's lower lip trembled and he had to turn away to keep the other guys from seeing that his eyes had filled up with tears. According to sources, the frightened McConnell considered running away from home until the kindly coach of the Senate gym sat him down and gave him some wise advice about how sometimes a man has got to stand up and fight even though he's afraid. Inspired by this heart-to-heart, -heart, the majority leader kept his appointment with the president in the Rose Garden and the two men started punching each other and ultimately rolled off behind a rose bush, above which witnesses said they could only see a roiling cloud of dust and several objects flying into the air, including a red tie, a pair of spectacles, and some dentures. CNN blamed the president for the feud and said he was exhibiting childish behavior that ignored the good of the country. At the president's next press conference, CNN's Jim Acosta raised his hand and said, quote, look at me, I'm Jim Acosta. I can wiggle my ears and make rude noises with my armpits. Look at me, look at me right now, unquote. Acosta then pulled down his pants and shook his naked backside at the president and ran away with an angry Trump <laughs> chasing after him. <laughs> It's pretty much business as usual in Washington. Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. <laughs> I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, world is a zing It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray. It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. I knew I wasn't going to get through that. <laughs> we should bring back the little thing, the ticker that yet sells how many days I've made it through without laughing. Oh, boy. The Clavenless weekend is here already. It's so fast. I know. It really zipped by. There's a lot happening this week. Luckily, luckily, Michael Knowles and I are working around the clock on a cure for the Clavenless Weekend. We have our own podcast that we're doing in our spare time. It's my new fantasy thriller. I don't know what to call it. I'm kind of experimenting with a new genre, a thriller fantasy novel that Knowles is going to perform as a podcast. We're going to like let, unleash this story uh, soon, in uh, probably in September. 
Um, today, we have Dr. Dr. Everett Piper, who wrote this really interesting and very readable book, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth, which is about our universities. Uh, so, you know, he's got, he has got a couple of stories. The book starts with a story that is really uh, quite, quite unbelievable. In the meantime, you might want to, you know, get a shave because you want to look good when the college guy who runs a college shows up. And the best way to do that is through the dollarshaveclub.com, which I love talking about because I was a member of the Dollar Shave Club years before I started uh, having them as a sponsor. In fact, doing this commercial actually cost me money. I, I'll tell you why. I was doing, they have these different rage, ranges of razors. Like they have the small one with just two blades. They call it, you know, they have, yeah, the small one with two blades. And then they have, I think it's called the executive razor with like, has 157 blades, I think, you know. So, so I was using the small one, which only costs like a buck. It's like $3 a month or something like this. And they send it right to your door and you just put it on. And it comes automatically. You don't have to think about it. And you can just replace your blades every week, have a fresh blade and a really good shave. And I was getting a great shave. But because I did this commercial, they said, well, why don't you try? We'll send you a free executive. And it, I, it's so good. It's like, it's more expensive, but it is such a, I mean, it, it's like got so many blades on it that 10 minutes after your hand passes over your face, it's still actually shaving you. You know, it's like while you're having breakfast. And they've got all this other stuff. They've got, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Carver's shave butter, which is actually better. I found it was better than uh, shaving cream. It really is terrific. And for a limited time, new members get their first month of the executive razor with the, a tube of their Dr. Carver's shave butter for only five bucks with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. It's a $15 value for only five bucks. They'll send you a box with all their good stuff in it. First month, you get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of the shave butter, which I also recommend. After your first month, replacement cartridges, cartridges ship automatically at their regular price. And if you, you know, get a little bit ahead and you don't need one, you can just press a button. It's really easy to do. No hidden fees, no commitments. Cancel anytime you like. And you can only get this offer exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash Clavin. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Clavin. Oh, I was going to say D-O-L-L-A-R, but it's K-L-A-V-A-M, dollarshaveclub.com. Uh, yeah, dollarshaveclub.com slash Clavin. Really uh, terrific. And that executive thing is it's an unbelievable shave. So we got to take a quick look at the aftermath of that, just like incredibly amazing uh, press conference with the press. Now the press is lying to cover up the fact that they were destroyed, right? So, so they're, just, they're just rewriting the story. I love the press. You know, the, the, we've gotten so crazy. Did you hear the story about ESPN? Did you hear the Robert this? Lee. Robert Lee. I know. They, they took this guy. He's an Asian-American sports announcer named Robert Lee. And he was going to announce the UVA game, the University of Virginia game, Charlottesville. And so they took him off because his name was the same as the Confederate general. But they issued a clarification today. Uh, they actually did issue a clarification saying the problem is that he actually is the Confederate general. He has been hiding out as a statue all this time and then came back to life as an Asian man uh, to bring back the Confederacy with all Asians this time. So it's really, uh, it was a master plot. So luckily ESPN <laughs> caught it in time. Anyway, so so yesterday, right, the, I mean, the day before yesterday, Trump makes this incredible speech, lashes out at the press, just hammers them, and the press 
falls apart. They absolutely fall apart. Meanwhile, the left is rioting in the streets after all this time of being told that no, 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 there's not violence on both sides. The left is rioting in the streets. Here is CBS's report the next morning. Listen to who's to blame. And by the way, there were very, very few Trump supporters out there. It was just a protest. Let's, li let's listen to CBS. Good morning. This is where thousands of protesters and Trump supporters were gathered before the rally. They were very vocal, but largely peaceful. All of that changed, however, after the president spoke and a small group of protesters ignored police orders to leave. A small group after he spoke. It was only after he spoke. It was like those words, those evil words went out there. They were throwing the words, were throwing things at the police. It was terrible. It was a terrible scene. Don Lemon, who just made a complete ass of himself. I mean, if, if he needed to do that, he just went out and lied about what he said. He was saying, all day long, the next day, yesterday, all day long, he's saying like, we didn't say Trump was crazy. We didn't attack his mental. Listen to him. Listen to this. He blows it off. It's when people criticize and say, oh, well, they're questioning the president's sanity and all of that, um, they know better. They're, ju they're doing it just, you know, just because uh, to make a political point uh, of some sort. Yeah, what could they have possibly seen? Play what Don Lemon said that day. This is six. He's unhinged. <laughs> it's embarrassing. And I don't mean for us, the media, because he went after us, but for the country. This is who we elected president of the United States. A man who is so petty that he has to go after people who he deems to be his enemy, like an imaginary friend of a six-year-old. His speech was without thought. It was without reason. It was devoid of facts. It was devoid of wisdom. There was no gravitas. There was no sanity there. He was like a child blaming a sibling on something else. He did it. I didn't do it. He certainly opened up the race wound from Charlottesville. A man clearly wounded by the rational people who are abandoning him in droves, meaning those business people and the people in Washington now who are questioning his fitness for office and whether he is stable. But other than that, he was completely objective. And I, I also, also love the way the press just hammers this guy, hammers, hammers, hammers him. 90, something like 90% of their stories are negative. And then how petty is he to strike back? You know, you talk about, talk about, it's like your, it's like your kid's sister, like, you know, setting your toys on fire. And then when you go after her, it's like, he's, he's coming after me <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just a girl. You know, the, the important thing, after you get a terrific shave with that crazy razor, you can then go out and eat your clean shaven Omaha steaks, which are I, we, we, you, you haven't been here. My son is here, Spencer, for the, for, yeah. again. <laughs> You're going on Michael Knowles' show. Uh, that's the plan. You yeah. poor guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I don't know yeah, what I did. Well, I think that, uh, you know, to uh, you'll make Knowles look bad, but to try, try not to make him look too I'll bad. I'll disguise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fair, fair enough. But you haven't been here since we got these Omaha steaks. No. I oh, man, they are so good. They sent, they've sent us these boxes. You know, now they have this new thing. These are the Omaha steaks skillet meals, and they cook up. You just They serve two. Each one of them serves two, and they uh, cook up in, in a skillet. All you need is a skillet. They send you this whole thing with, so they get steak au poivre. You know every language. Au poivre means pepper steak. With, 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 with peppers? Pepper. Isn't au poivre pepper steak? I mean, What's that? Because they have ste yeah. steak au poivre, but they also have Asian pepper steak, chicken piccata, tempura orange chicken, Indian curry chicken, Moroccan beef with cou couscous, plus 
plus four free Omaha steak burgers, four free gourmet jumbo franks, which are incredibly good. They just don't taste like, they really don't taste like other steaks. There's something they do. I don't know what it is, but they're just great. It's it's a cu- like a couple of minutes, like 15 minutes from the skillet to your table. It's a trusted brand known for quality, made with all premium in- ingredients, no stress meals. Everything is included. No shopping. The meals are delivered to your door. It's 100% guaranteed. I got to find how you can do this, right? Because it's on the next page. So we're having a party here. We <laughs> just for my listeners, this exclusive package is only $49.99. All that stuff I just read is only 50 bucks. Go to omahasteaks.com and type Andrew in the search bar and choose your Omaha Steaks skillet meals. Again, visit omahasteaks.com and enter code Andrew in the search bar to get these all new exclusive meals for just $49.99. Really good value, but really, it's just good food. I mean, that's the only thing. So Trump also took a different different tone yesterday. Trump was uh, signing legislation. This is the thing he's getting no credit for. You know, he really is going after the VA, you know, the VA, these terrible scandals at the VA, these veterans who can't get their benefits and they're getting terrible health care. I mean, essentially what we're doing is we're condemning veterans to Obamacare. We're condemning veterans to government health care, but he is making it possible to fire people. So important. And he's got this new Veterans Appeals Improvement and Modernization Act, which streamlines the process of veterans appealing claims over disability uh, benefits. So he goes out and he took a, a slightly different tone than his Phoenix speech. Here's Trump. It is time to heal the wounds that divide us and to seek a new unity based on the common values that unite us. We are one people with one home and one great flag. Okay, he went a little off script there after <laughs> he had it for a minute there. We had teleprompter Trump, and then yeah, it was just Godzilla destroying <laughs> everything. <laughs> but you know, the thing the thing that always gets me about Trump is like no matter what he does, and there are times when I love him, and times when I hate him. You know, it's all kind, you know, he's just that guy. He's just this a huge personality, huge flaws, some really good things that he's done. But but no matter what he does, I look at the other side. And they're just so bad. I mean, Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton has her new book coming out called What Happened. I mean, that's that's what it says, but you have to read. Yeah, exactly. You have to read it, though. You have to read it in the right tone of voice. It's what happened? Why did I lose? What happened? And she's reading this thing about Trump standing in back of her, which, you know, I was looking at different videos. This must have, I assume this really happened because... Hillary wouldn't lie, would she? <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, I mean, but, but every time I see him, he's, it's her standing in front of him, but he's behind his lectern. He's exactly where he's supposed to be. But this is her recounting how he stood in back of her during one of the debates. This is not okay, I thought. It was the second presidential debate, and Donald Trump was looming behind me. Two days before, the world heard him brag about groping women. Now we were on a small stage, and no matter where I walked, he followed me closely, staring at me, making faces. It was incredibly uncomfortable. He was literally breathing down my neck. 
My skin crawled. It was one of those moments where you wish you could hit pause and ask everyone watching, well, what would you do? Do you stay calm, keep smiling, and carry on as if he weren't repeatedly invading your space? Or do you turn, look him in the eye, and say loudly and clearly, back up, you creep, get away from me. I know you love to intimidate women, but you can't intimidate me, so back up. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. But she's right, he is creepy. Yeah. Oh wait, that's not the same guy though. <laughs> Back up, you creep. I mean, this is this is the thing that, that really gets me. You know, President Obama remained personally popular throughout his eight years. He remained a personally popular president, but everybody who supported him was voted out of office because he was a bad president. He was bad at being president, but he came across as a nice guy. And I, I think he did terrible things, but he was a nice guy. But now they're acting like, whereas, whereas Trump, who is not a nice guy, doesn't come across, you know, comes across as a, a, a loose cannon. He's actually done some really good things so far already. And hopefully will do more when the Senate and Congress comes back to, uh, it, it, you know, was, is sitting again. But they're... Their idolatry. Can we? Do we have the Knucklehead Row song? We have to take a trip to Knucklehead Row at the New York Times. Oh, hey, hey, oh, hey, Knucklehead Row, the op-ed page of the New York Times. <laughs> it's like they have a piece today, unbelievable. It's by a woman named Carolyn Randall Williams, who I think was a cookbook author. She's this young lady, and she writes this, this thing, come back, Obama, and tell, explain to us what's going on. She says, President Obama, now is the time to start talking. I, I appreciate your instinct to hold back, to follow the keep quiet about the new guy tradition of former presidents, but these are not traditional times. They're unprecedented and frankly unpresidential. You deserve a break, but we're out here in this handbasket. Mr. Obama, listen to this. Mr. Obama, you are the president who got up and sang Amazing Grace after the Charleston, South Carolina killings. You are the president who shed tears in public after Sandy Hook. Now we are a country troubled by the looming possibility of a constitutional crisis, and hate groups are claiming the president as theirs. We need your voice. Where are you, Obama? There is not a saner, more trustworthy opinion that many of us would rather here. I'm not sure that's grammatical, but anyway, <laughs> like, you know, it's like that, that is the, the left all over. He sang Amazing Grace after the Charleston killings and he shed tears. So he must have been a good president. And this guy is such a blustering, bumbling guy. But, you know, it's like, it's not like Mr. Obama, you corrupted the IRS. You set the Middle East on fire. You withdrew from Iraq too soon. You, you gave Iran a nuclear weapon. Come back and tell us. And she ends it. She says, my generation graduated from college and got our first job and became adults all while you were president. We learned to experience politics through the lens of your eloquent presence in the White House. In this respect, you raised us. So we are unaccustomed to all of this wildness just because we're grown up 
doesn't mean we don't need to hear from the man who brought us up. I mean, I mean, this is like this is the world we're living in. Like an Asian American broadcaster named Robert Lee is a resurrected Confederate general, and Obama was a good president because he knew how to cry on camera, and he did know how to cry on cue. I have to, I have to give him credit where credit is due. He could, you know, it's all about like illusion for them. It is all that, because they live in the world of the media. The media creates their world, and we, because we're on the other side of the media, always have to question what the media is saying, and it gets, it brings you closer to reality. Speaking of which. Reality for me is a constant search for everything I own. It's like constant <laughs> search for things I lost. Now, for some of you, if you guys are like me, you might want to get tracker, track R. It's just the word track and R, which they have they have a new one. They invented this. They they really did about eight years ago. They had the first, you know, private tracking device, but now they have the track R pixel. Now I have a wife, so I, you know, I don't have to do that. I just keep saying, where did I leave my keys? Where did I leave my phone? Where did I leave my... And then when I regain consciousness, then I go to my tracker. I actually do have it. It's on my keys. But the thing is, I, I lose my keys sometimes. But what I really lose is my phone. We're going to try this on the... This is daring. If it doesn't work, it's, if it doesn't work, it's because I'm an incompetent. Don't blame it. But... But the thing, the thing that's so cool about this is if you lose your keys, you can find them with your phone. But what happens if you lose your phone? Because that's what I do all the time. And the thing is, you press this and- I told you to shut the <laughs> That's the thing, it is shut off. I, I, you know, I shut it off before the show so it won't ring, you know, and like, but even if it's shut off, this tracker helps you find it. It is so, so cool. It's the lightest Bluetooth tracking device on the market. You can put it on whatever you tend to lose, keys, wallets, even your cat. It's small enough to fit anywhere. I'm not sure I want to get that close to my cat. When you misplace an item that has a tracker pixel attached, you use your smartphone and a 90 decibel alert will help you find it in seconds. It even has powerful LED lights so you can find anything even in the dark. It's pretty It's pretty amazing stuff. Locate your item even if it's miles away because it's like, you know that thing Waze where the, everybody tells you what the traffic is ahead of you? It's like that. You can have a, you have a community of people having uh, helping you find it. And it's got a 30-day money-back guarantee so you truly have nothing to lose. You, got, you want to go vtracker.com. Now, I made a mistake last time. I left out the V because they don't run it together. So it's vtracker, T-R-A-C-K-R.com. And then enter promo code Claven. Wait, how do you spell that? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's K-L-A-V. Should be, for tracker, it should be K-L-A-V-N. But in fact, it's K-L-A-V-A-N. And if you spell it right, you get 20% off any order. That's the tracker.com, vtracker.com, vtracker.com, promo code Claven for 20% off, vtracker.com, promo code Claven. Do we, do we have Dr. Piper? Oh, great. All right. Bring him on. Let's talk about Dr. Dr. Piper. I'm glad you're here. Dr. Piper, Dr. Everett Piper is the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University and the author of Why I Am a Liberal and Other Conservative Ideas. His new book, which I was reading uh, over the last couple of days, is Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. Uh, Dr. Piper, it's uh, good of you to come on. I appreciate it. This is a, a fascinating book, and I think the best way to introduce people to this book is for you to tell the story of how you, you read it, because I read that story with my mouth hanging open about Corinthians. Uh, it, it's an amazing tale. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on, Clavin. I'm honored. And briefly, it was about two years ago at Oklahoma Wesleyan University, where I serve as president, that we have required chapel on Wednesday and Friday. It was just before Thanksgiving, and the sermon 
for that particular day was on 1 Corinthians 13. For those who don't remember, it's the quintessential love chapter of the Bible. You've heard it read at a thousand weddings. Love is patient, love is kind. Well, we actually had a student at my conservative Christian liberal arts institution that came forward and confronted the speaker after this particular homily. And he said, you offended me. You singled me out. You made me feel uncomfortable. You victimized me. For, I'm serious. From the love, from the love is kind. What, what, was his <laughs> what was his problem? What was his problem? With well, apparently, apparently he felt guilty. He felt that uh, we were wrong for making him feel guilty for not being loving enough. So I had a response. I challenged the young man, and I said, you know that feeling you had of discomfort during that sermon on love? It's called your conscience. You might want to attend to it. And then I suggested, you know, at Oklahoma Wesleyan University, as any good university should, we're going to challenge you, and we're going to confront you. We're not going to coddle you, and we're not going to comfort you. We actually expect you to grow up and become a man of character rather than sit around and be selfish and self-absorbed and narcissistic in your sin. So if you feel guilty during a sermon or an altar call, good. Confess what's wrong with you rather than blaming everybody else about what's wrong with them. And um, I concluded by saying, my land, this is a university, it's not a daycare. And that led to this book and this interview. Yeah, because the thing went viral. I mean, everybody was passing it around yeah. because it was, you know, because everybody's so tired of these, they call them snowflakes, but there's one, you know, you tell so many stories about them, but we've all heard the stories. Now, so what what is what is this coming from? I mean, this was not this was starting when I was in school, which was a long time ago. But it's gotten to be, uh, you know, it's gotten to be like a plague. What is what is causing this? I would argue it's my industry, it's education. We've created this monster, and it's turning around to bite us. For decades, we've been teaching lousy ideas. We've been teaching self-absorption and self-actualization and narcissism. We've been teaching kids that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as it works for you. You know, Richard Weaver wrote a seminal work in 1948, and he titled it, Ideas Have Consequences. And what was his point? Ideas have consequences. <laughs> ideas matter. They always lead somewhere. And if you teach bad ideas, you get bad culture, bad kids, bad government, bad corporations, and bad community. If you teach good ideas, the big ideas, the first things, you get good culture, good kids, and good community. Like your grandmother said, garbage in and garbage out. The chickens are coming home to roost. We've been teaching terrible ideas for decades, and now we're seeing terrible behavior in our campuses and in our campus green. There's, there's no getting away from the fact that when you talk about these bad ideas, these are leftist ideas. I mean, these are not – the ideas that I hear on campuses, none of them, you know, uh, is from the right. It's all from the left. And the, it's kind of a, a narrative on the right that the left made this march through our institutions, that they very – uh, purposely took over the academy, uh, took over Hollywood, took over the news business. Do, do you feel that this was an intentional assault on the academy? Do you feel the left as a movement did this on purpose? M. Scott Peck called it the diabolical human mind. Uh, I have a friend, Dr. Graham Walker, calls it the pathology of the intellect. In the, in the uh, epistle to the Romans, the apostle Paul calls it the reprobate mind. These are all references basically to this. The smarter you are, the more arrogant you become, and you drink your own Kool-Aid and you believe your own lies. So yes, the Academy is, is at fault. Was it intentional? You could argue whether it is or it isn't, but the fact of the matter is, we've been teaching these ideas, these terrible ideas for decades, and now we're suffering the consequences for it. And what you see today is ideological fascism rather than intellectual freedom. 
<laughs> a fascist was a Roman bundle of sticks bound together so tightly that it couldn't be broken. It's out of that we get the word fascism. And today, if you don't comply, if you don't submit, if you're not one of us, if you don't think like we think and believe like we believe, we're going to crush you, we're going to suppress you, we're going to sequester you, we're going to expel you. You're verboten and you're unwelcome. It's the opposite of intellectual liberty, classical liberalism. It's ideological fascism. Well, we're, we're talking about this book by Dr. Everett Piper, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. Now, the book, uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan University is a Christian school, and right. you talk a lot about Christ and teaching Christianity. And, and I've argued for a long time that we need a, uh, a revival at the intellectual top rather than a tent revival. We need one in our academies and in our, uh, with our intelligentsia, which I actually believe is happening even as you and I are sitting here talking about it. But, but not every school is a Christian school. And, you know, there are schools that are great schools, Harvard, Yale, Princeton. These are terrific schools, or they used to be, uh, that would, in some sense, wouldn't they be betraying their... Um, betraying their brief to be teaching Christianity as if it were the truth. I mean, is that is that a problem? Uh, actually, uh, no. Let me explain why, in my view. Um, and this is the beauty of a liberal arts academy. You and I could debate that. Harvard and I could debate that. But Harvard and Dartmouth and Princeton and Yale and all of the Ivy League institutions, with the exception of one, were founded explicitly in a Judeo-Christian ethic. Harvard, for example, had its original mission statement to, that said, let to lay Christ at the bottom as the foundation of all learning. So I'll use your word, revival. Revival implies that you can revive, return, reform, go back. Go back to what? To a true north, to veritable. Latin for truth, which is still on Oxford's shield some 1,000 years after it was founded. So my question would be this. Do you believe what G.K. Chesterton said when he said you have no freedom without fences? Freedom does not suppose or presuppose a free-for-all. Freedom cannot be had without boundaries. You can't play soccer if you don't understand the rules, if there isn't a referee to blow the whistle. If it all digresses to power and privilege, you can't play the game. So what would you rather have, the French Revolution and the guillotine, or the American Revolution and self-evident truths that are endowed to us by our creator? I think the proof's in the pudding as to which model and paradigm gives you more intellectual and personal freedom. Well, I, I certainly agree with that, the last part of what you just said, and the proof is in the pudding, but the, the thinkers that led up to the French Revolution, the uh, Enlightenment thinkers, some of the thinkers who uh, came after, who were anti-religion, uh, you know, thinkers like uh, uh, Nietzsche and, and people like, you know, who, who uh, basically opposed the entire idea of God, would you not teach them? Oh, no, I would teach them robustly. I want my students to understand Nietzsche better than anybody else. <laughs> I want my students to understand the debate, to engage in it, to have a robust argument, to exchange ideas. It's the beauty of conservative education is we conserve the time-tested truths that are endowed to us by our creator. It's the beauty of classical liberal education because you believe in liberty and liberation and freedom and justice. And the truth like Christ said, the truth shall set you free. Not your power or my privilege, not your person, not your pulpit, not your podium, not your priest, not your pastor, not the pedagogue, not the politician. Truth will judge the debate, and it's only within the context of those fences, to go back to Chesterton, that we can truly engage in what the academy was established to do, and that's pursue liberty and liberation that's grounded in a standard bigger and better than you and me. Let me let me challenge this. Put forward a challenge. It, it, it may not be what I would say personally, but I know it's it is what people would argue on the other side. Uh, 
we believe both both you and I believe that certain parts of the truth are just revealed to us. They're not they're axioms. They're things that, as you say, are self evident, uh, and as Jefferson said, are self evident. But there are many people who simply do not accept the Bible as the truth. Are these people going to be excluded? Are they? Is the other side of too much tolerance intolerance? Are the people who will not, don't want to live a biblical life, don't want to live according to what they see as basically the fiat of of religion? Are those people to be excluded from education? Absolutely not. In fact, I would argue that somebody that disagrees with everything I've said on your program today would have more freedom on my campus than they would <laughs> at Berkeley, for example. You can come to Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and engage in this discussion with me with, with much greater liberty, liberation, and freedom to disagree with me at my campus than you would have at Berkeley. The proof is there. Mm -hmm. Milo, for example, whom I disagree with on a lot of things, would enjoy more intellectual freedom here. That does not presuppose or assume that I'll agree with him. And in fact, we, we may disagree robustly. But we can have that debate. We can have that disagreement. We can exchange ideas in a civil and tolerant fashion without saying, I can't tolerate your intolerance and I hate you hateful people and I'm sure that nothing is sure and cut off the very branch upon which we sit. We actually believe there's an answer at the end of the day. And the belief in that answer gives us the freedom to pursue it. All right. A couple more, more practical questions. One of the things that always puzzles me is why parents of basically conservative bent send their kids to these schools. And I mean, you know, people shell out a lot of money for these schools, as I well know, and you save up your whole life to be able to do it. And sometimes these kids go into debt. Why do the parents keep doing it? And how can you get them to stop? They're crazy. I mean, it's, <laughs> okay. it's nonsense. Simple answer. Yeah. <laughs> but stop. Your question is the perfect summary to this interview. What in the world are you doing? You spend 18 years of your life training up your child in the way he should go so that when he is old, he will not depart. And in the first 18 minutes, as you drive away from your campus of choice, they're taking pride in tearing his heart, mind, and soul out. Why would you do that? Why would you pay for that? Parents need to start paying, excuse me, start voting with their pocketbook and their feet. They need to stop sending their, their kids off to these institutions that teach this pablum and send them to a school that actually believes that there's a right and wrong answer at the end of the day. I'll close with this. I don't give you an, a degree in opinions at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. I don't say you majored in an opinion. I actually hope you learned something. Opinions lead to bondage and slavery. Pol Pot had an opinion. Mao had an opinion. Robespierre had an opinion, and it did not end well. Christ said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Which paradigm do you want for your kid? Which one will lead to a freer culture and freer society? Well, I think a lot of people are going to feel, I, I think you are, uh, you know, fighting against the tide, but that doesn't mean you can't win. Uh, not a daycare, the devastating consequences of abandoning truth by Dever Dr. Everett Piper. Uh, Dr. Piper, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Very oh, I'm honored. Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot. You know, I have to say, I wrote, uh, it was right after Obama won again. I, I wrote a piece that's still up on City Journal, you can find it, called The Long Game, in which I said, you know, conservatives typically neglect the culture. And the, the, among the things that we have to do is we really have to start arguing for a revival at the intellectual top. I mean, this is, <clears throat> this is the thing. The, the idea of relativism has played itself out. It makes no sense. The idea of multiculturalism was disproved on September 11th. You know, these things have fallen apart. And 
we can make the argument, but it's a tough argument to make because I think religion is, you know, obviously religion in the modern world is going to look different than medieval religion. You know, the medieval people didn't know as much as we know. Uh, we were talking, Spencer and I were talking before about C.S. Lewis's idea that the in the Middle Ages they saw the sky as the dome of a cathedral, whereas we see it as infinite, meaningless space. But you can't stop seeing it as infinite space. It is infinite space. You can't stop seeing it. Uh, you can't continue to believe that the sky is a dome once you've sent a rocket up through it. So we're going to have to make sure that our religion addresses a, a scientific world instead of, uh, you know, uh, uh, closing our eyes to the things that science has taught us. You know, if you don't think this is a big deal, I mean, there's so much stuff uh, going on on the left right now. This is the thing that really gets me. If Donald Trump is so evil, if Donald Trump is so evil, why is it only the left trying to silence people? Why is it only the left that assaults the Bill of Rights? If Donald Trump is such an evil guy, when was the last time Donald Trump did anything to get in the way of the practice of our religion, of the free expression of our religion, like Obama did when he sued the little sisters of the poor? <laughs> the little sisters of the poor. I mean, how much of a villain do you have to, you have to twirl your mustache to go after the little sisters of the poor to force them to pay for contribution? You know, for contraception. I mean, it's like, when he did that, I was like, I, I thought, gee, if there were any media at all, if we had any honest media, they would be looking at the president of the United States saying, you are using the power of the government to go after the little sisters of the poor. It's like, no, Mr. President, don't make us pay for Yes, you will pay for contraception, little sisters of the poor. It will. You will pay or I'll tie you to the railroad track. But I mean, he got away with it because the press wouldn't do it. If Donald Trump is so evil, why are the only people who want to get rid of the uh, right to free speech on the left? Why is that? I don't, I do not understand it. You know, there was a, a review of a book, interestingly enough, um, there's a review of a book in the Wall Street Journal today called iGen, Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood. And the interesting thing about it is it's by this woman, Jean Twenge. And I read that and I thought, gee, didn't we just talk about her on the show? And in fact, she had written an op-ed, and this happens a lot because you want to uh, promote your book, you write an op-ed to sort of go along with it. But she was writing about the fact that suicide is now the second cause of death among young adults, which is a stunning, stunning um, observation, a stunning uh, um, fact, a stunning stat. And she writes this um, book this, where she says, tolerance is their religion. This is the review of the book. Church going and faith are in free fall among iGeners. So iGeners are like the next generation up. Uh, their views on LGBTQ matters are more liberal than those of any previous generation, so too their views of sex. They're having less sex themselves, but are less judgmental about the sexual habits of others, which is really interesting because it's a failure to preach what you practice. It means that you know that you should have a little self-control. You know that promiscuity is bad, but you don't want to tell anybody. You know, you don't want to tell anybody. You know, keep it, keep it to yourself and let them get syphilis to support. They don't want to, but, but. There's something that they are not tolerant about, and that was what Dr. Piper was saying. It's deemed, if it's an offense against tolerance itself, because tolerance is their religion. So members of iGen, Ms. Twenge say, are more likely than their predecessors to support restricting speech. She found that more than one out of four students, 28%, agreed that a faculty member who on a single occasion says something racially insensitive in class should be fired, while 16% believe a student who did the same thing once should be expelled. In a rare moment of judgmentalism, 
uh, Ms. Twenge adds, this is the dark side of tolerance. It begins with the good intentions of including everyone and not offending anyone, but ends at best with a reluctance to explore deep issues and at worst with careers destroyed by a comment someone found offensive and the silencing of all alternative viewpoints. I mean, this is the problem. This is the problem. You can talk about Donald Trump's manners, which are terrible. You can talk about his bullying, which is the thing I find most offensive about him. You can talk about his personality being unbridled and, you know, uncontrolled and all this stuff. But why is it, if he is so evil, why is it that the dear Father Obama, who we miss so much because he cried, that his side are the only people violating openly trying to destroy the Bill of Rights. You know, I don't understand it. I do not understand why good manners trumps actual destruction of our values and of our, our, the laws that have protected us for so long. All right, stuff I like, and then we will leave you to the Clavenless weekend, I'm afraid. You know what we, you know what we haven't talked about yet, though? I, I didn't say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Were they on us, with us yeah. the whole time? Great, good for you. But you know what? You know what? We let you stay on, but that means that's another reason why you should subscribe. It's only a lousy 10 bucks a month. What are you waiting for? 10 bucks a month, and you get to be on the mailbag if you... Yeah, you, you don't. You can just subscribe for the month and be in the mailbag, and we'll answer all your questions, save your life, change your life. It'll be an amazing experience. But if you subscribe for the year, it's just a hundred bucks, ninety nine ninety nine, and keep the penny and don't spend it all in one place. Plus, the Liberal Tears mug, it's Liberal Tears tumbler, the Liberal Tears tumblers made of valerian valerian steel. It cures baldness in some. It's, it's like it keeps your liberal tears warm or cold, however you prefer them, and it automatically refills every time Donald Trump makes a speech. So this is it's an amazing thing. It's uh, and it doesn't have Stephen Crowder's name on. I think Crowder's coming on next week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I love Steve. He's, he's, we'll have to, we, we're going to let him out of his padded cell and bring him over. Stuff I like. I am not and have never been a Saturday Night Live fan. I think it is a self-indulgent, mostly unfunny show. I think every six weeks they do something kind of amusing. But there is one routine they did. It's not that long ago called Black Jeopardy. It's and so they, they had one thing with Tom... I want to say Tom Hanks. Hanks, thanks. I always want to say Tom Cruise. It was Tom Hanks, who was fantastic in it. And the concept of Black Jeopardy is obviously is black people playing Jeopardy, and they have these kind of weird, you know, uh, categories like, mm, I don't know, will be the category. And the answer is, what is, mm, I don't know. I don't. And so they have all the, but one of the contestants turns out to be a Trump-supporting white guy with a beard played by Hanks. And they, so they start going down the line, asking questions. And here's just a bit of it. Okay, let's stay with you better for 400. Okay, the answer, your job wants to take $40 a month out of your check for a 401k. Shanice, what is, you better give me that money so I can buy me some scratch-offs. Yeah, you damn right. <laughs> you damn right. I mean, why do I need a retirement plan when I got Monopoly Millionaires Club? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I play that every week. Yeah, well, that's good for you. Okay. <laughs> the board is yours, Shanice. Let's go with they be, they out there saying for 200. Okay, the answer, they out here saying the new iPhone wants your thumbprint for your protection. <laughs> oh, okay then, duh. Well, what is, I, I don't think so. That's how they get you. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, I read that and goes straight to the government. Mm. Well, that 
is not bad, though. <laughs> uh, the, the board is yours. Well, let's go over to, mm, I don't know, for four. Okay, the answer there, he says his dog doesn't bite. Shanice, what is, mm, I don't know, he got teeth, don't he? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything with teeth, you know? Anything with teeth. Let's stick with, mm, I don't know, for six. Okay. Caitlyn Jenner says she belongs on the cover of Essence magazine. Keely. What is, mm, I don't know. You can't do everything. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, there, there was a time. Absolutely. You know, there was a time. Right. Oh, yeah, I, I remember, yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's go to they out here saying for eight. Okay, the answer there. They out here saying that every vote counts. Oh, Doug again. What is, come on, they already decided who wins even before it happens. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yes! It's so brilliant, because basically it destroys identity politics, right? It's like it says, it says there's no difference in the races, it's all culture, and their culture is essentially the same. It is a brilliant, brilliant piece of satire. And with that, we're going to leave you flying blind into the Clavenless weekend. I, I hate to do it at this point. God, last week, it's violence, people getting fired, it's awful, it's awful. But... But if you survive, we will be here again on Monday, and we will explain the devastation to you. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show, and we'll see you then. Something wrong and you can't put your finger on it Right then, roll to me And I don't think I have ever seen a soul so in despair So if you want to talk the man through, guess who will be there? So don't try to deny it, pretty baby You've been down so long you can hardly see Stop raining, it's the right time to roll.